As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality new or used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. Whether you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki, and the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Yeah. Running out of time, chasing down a finish line. It ain't over till it's over and the line ain't on your side. You running out of moves, now he's got you Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. What do you say, Luke? What's up, Big Jed? Oh, man, just hanging out. Actually uh, nursing a little uh, twisted ankle from our kickball game, our doubleheader last night. Uh, oh, went, man uh, down. Yeah, I went one and one, heard it in the first game, had to power through it and play the second game with a twisted ankle. So it's uh, pretty rough, but uh, we're hanging in there. But we, we took a beating last night by uh, by the number one team in the league this year. So struggling. That, that second whoa. game, I mean, was this, whoa. A, is this a Willis Reed type moment? Is this Jordan Reed? <laughs> I mean, what are, we, what are we dealing with here? You know, kickball is a very interesting sport. And uh, the other team did know that I was injured. And they took advantage of it. They attacked the weakness. They knew the bunts were very difficult for me to get ah, to. Really? And they, you. yep, they exploited me. You know, I don't have much speed already and then had a twisted ankle to it. So they did exploit that and got them a couple of runs. A beating in kickball is losing two to nothing. It's kind of like soccer. So we got thrashed two to nothing. Hmm. Awesome. So, but 
don't play again for a couple of weeks. Obviously, with uh, July the the third being the day before the holiday, Monday we're not going to play then. So I got a couple of weeks to nurse this baby back to good health, and then we're coming out strong. What's up with you, man? I, I assume about the same as uh, as what's up with you. What are we? Less than two weeks away from World Footbreak Challenge. Less than three weeks yes. away from the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout. So yes. I know uh, what most of your uh, free time is being allocated for. It's been the same boat here. <laughs> no doubt. I'm excited though. It's uh, going to be a couple of great weekends for me back to back, and looking forward to both. Yeah, good as am I. Obviously, I'm going to miss the World Footbreak Challenge this year. We're going to Chicago for the national event. Hate that they're on top of each other, but wishing you guys the best. And uh, like you say, it is a lot of work to put on the events, but it is a, a lot of fun. So, yeah, labor of love. <laughs> but we got a big show on tap as per usual. And we'll highlight some results. NHRA at Norwalk brought some big, big weekend, big, a couple of double ups. Like there was six classes, there was only four winners. That doesn't happen very often. Heavy points implications, like it was a big weekend on that end. I feel like we did our uh, our NHRA draft one week too early. I feel like a lot's changed already, but that probably happens every <laughs> week. We're going to have a great interview later with uh, the voice of the Summer, summer Door Car Shootout, Willie Burnett, our good buddy. That'll be a lot of fun. If you guys have never uh, met or listened to Willie, I think you're in for a little bit of a treat there. Yeah, but, he's uh, awesome. I want to start off, we always start off with the NHRA stuff for whatever reason. Last weekend brought the Lone Star Summer Shootout. We previewed that on last week's show. We've talked with Tommy Phillips in the past. That's the uh, event promoter. Huge race for the state of Texas at the Texas Motorplex. They fought some weather issues last week, but they got everything in. Ended up condensing three days of racing basically into two ends up looks like the worst forecasted weather days were the prettiest days, which is funny how that sometimes works. <laughs> um, but run through, tell us a little bit about what happened there at, uh, at the Texas Motorplex last week, Jed. Well, they uh, did combine Fridays and Saturdays races, just like you said. Obviously, uh, Friday had some challenges there, but Tommy runs a great program. And looks like they got all that in. Had uh, In the main event, Randall Reed took the win over Wayne Gibson. That is promo, uh, Randall Reed. <laughs> pro mod randall yeah for just hop back and, in a drag extra oh, i think i'll just win this 11 grander no big deal <laughs> and then uh had a 64 car shootout where the winner of that was chase huffman our good buddy chase does a lot of work for both of us and uh, bracket racing elite member flying the flag yeah and runner up was hunter Patton. hunter um very good young racer Absolutely. 32 car shootout after that or probably in the midst of it uh, was uh, won by a, an absolute legend and somebody i know you have a tremendous amount of respect for jeff heffler yeah he won it in a bronco uh, <laughs> yes he that. did the runner-up position was uh, none other than our buddy uh bad brad clark out of uh, south mississippi or central south central mississippi i guess very cool, very cool. They ended up, I think the second event began on Saturday, was concluded on Sunday, and again, Sunday was supposed to be the worst day weather-wise. By the pictures, it looked like the prettiest day. The APD main event, this is an unfamiliar name for me, never heard of him. Uh, winner, jo Johnny, how do you say this? Is it? Is Ezel. It, Ezel? Ezel? <laughs> Johnny Bracket Racing had two entries in with three cars remaining and uh, forced to run himself. So exited one of them and then had a final against maybe the hottest guy in the country for 2017. Yeah. Like Michael Pennington has been in every final everywhere, seemingly. He would probably jump up and say, well, I hadn't won many of them. 
But man, he keeps getting there every week, it seems. This one was more of the same, and I guess more of the same final result. Michael ended up getting the runner-up to Johnny. But if you told me that there's a big race in Texas, like, I and gave me, like, hey, make the short list of guys that you think will be in the final. Johnny Zell and Michael Pennington are on that list. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they lived up to it. They- Lucas Oil, exclusive 32, no box. Winner was uh, Lance Barilla. Knocked off Scooter yeah. Wilkins. And... Scott and Dickey Performance Center last chance race saw Bob Gilmore get the win. We talked about Bob before on the podcast. I believe he's 73 years young. Still out there doing it. Still out there getting it done. Yeah, Bob strong. defeated Brandon Bass in the final round of that second chance race. And all the chatter I've seen, Luke, on Facebook and any social medias has been that uh, it was another awesome event. Tommy made great decisions that, that had the racer's best interest at heart, which is what Tommy does the contingencies and things that they had available for the racers are just unheard of in our sport or our side of the sport. So another job well done by Tommy Phillips and his uh, staff. Yeah. And as you mentioned, kind of as to be expected, they also had a couple of big raffles that I think were charitably based. I know one of them benefited the the racers benevolent fund, which is a, yep. a great organization from that area. Craig Anderson's heavily involved with that. I would say heads it up, but they give away a Formax trailer, which was won by Neil Sherry. And it's funny, like, how some of this stuff works. They had two big drawings, okay? One was for the trailer, for the Racers Benevolent Fund. Neil Sherry won it. Another was for a motor. Robbie Mays won it. And it's funny, like, when you look back on stuff like this, like, obviously, like, it's just drawing. Like, I guess you'd call that luck. But, like, Neil Sherry won the Drag Racers Benevolent Fund dragster drawing, like, several years ago. I was there. Wow. I was at the, at the golf course. And Robbie Mays, like, I don't want to get my facts mixed up, but I'm pretty sure... The big scuttlebutt, the year that he was in the final round of the Million Dollar Race, which has been a while ago now, it's probably eight or ten years ago, like that year, I'm pretty sure that he had won the lottery. Like, not won like oh, the wow. Powerball lotto, but won like uh, six figures, maybe? Like, oh, wow. Yeah, to heck with these guys. Now, I'm one, <laughs> I, I can't talk much, like, I'm like the only person in the drag racing community, like, I don't enter raffles, like, I don't, they, I'll do some of the stuff that's just charitably involved, like, I, I'm just one, like, I'm not a gambler by nature, like, I don't yep. buy a lot of tickets, things like that, so I'm not one to say, well, ah, who these same people keep winning, I'm like, it don't matter to me, but it's kind of interesting, <laughs> isn't it? It really is. It really <laughs> is. And Kyle Cotrera is a guy that wins motors, seem like every time he enters the engine raffle. So some go. guys just seem to have it like that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not one of those guys. Of those. Which, in yeah. Bugs, for one thing I will say for Bug is like, I've had raffles and, and races, like 32 car races, and Bug's the guy that would just be like, how many spots you got left? I'll take them. Like all of them. You know what I mean? So yeah. there might be something to that too. But Yeah, maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll go into our uh our Who's Hot segment for this week and uh bring it on a, a new sponsor for the Who's Hot segment. Who's Hot is presented by Siebert Performance. Siebert Performance specializes in performance engine building for every aspect of sportsman drag racing, bracket racing, NHRA sportsman categories, heads-up categories, nitrous, turbo, blower, you name it, they do it. Learn more about them at SiebertPerformance.com. And Jed, this week, we didn't have to look far. It was really quite the toss-up as we'll get into. Double-ups at the NHRA national level are a pretty rare thing, typically. Yes. It's rare that you see one. It's almost unprecedented that you see two in the same weekend. We had that. Nick Folk at Norwalk won Super Comp and Super Stock. His good friend and fellow reigning NHRA national champion, Jeff Strickland, 
also doubled up with wins in stock and top dragster. We basically flipped a coin between the two. Our who's hot for this week goes to Nick Folk. Yeah, Nick with another amazing performance, uh, and he is the the feature guy in the Seabird Performance Who's Hot section of the show. But I saw that Jenny, Jenny Folk, and everybody knows Jenny from the Million. She's Nick's cousin. She posted that he almost missed round one. Luke, I don't know if you know the story there and can tell it. but I saw she, that, too, and I actually meant to give Nick a phone call because if you know Nick Folk, not only – I'm sure <laughs> confident that there is a story behind that. I'm confident that it is a very entertaining story. Oh, um, it has to be. Unfortunately, I don't have that at my fingertips to share today, but I'll work <laughs> on that. Stay tuned. Maybe next episode we'll get what was behind that because, like I say, odds are that was pretty entertaining. We said that the double-double, so to speak, isn't that a fast food thing somewhere? Can't you get a double-double? Oh, man, if you can't, you should be able to. Is that an in-and-out thing? <laughs> The double you know, double. it seemed, seemed like there is a double-double at the end of Our left coasters will definitely in and, and let us know there. But the, the double-double had only been accomplished once previously, and that was in 2015. Also, as odds would have it, in the state of Ohio. Uh, it was at the Jeg Sports Nationals in Columbus. Jeg Coughlin Jr. won stock and super gas. On the same day, Todd France won comp and super stock. So Jeff and Nick joined that uh, elite company and jed i find this interesting because like we've had a big year for doubles we're sitting here in late june and yep. there have already been four double ups this year at the nhra national event level i did a little bit of homework okay i, I did a little bit of research yeah, of course uh, overachieving a little bit here and i didn't that's only happened twice before in the history of nhra competition in, in 2012 there were four double-ups. In 2013, there were four double-ups. Never exceeded four. We're only in June. Like, odds are it's going to happen again at some point. Yeah, it is early. In the day and age where it feels like there is greater parity than there ever has been in the world of sportsman drag racing, how do we see this repeated domination? Any, do you have any explanation for that? Well, I don't know if it's a very good explanation, Luke, but, you know, I, I believe, and I'm no historian by any means, uh, but I believe that today we have more people giving themselves an opportunity to double up than ever before. I think the fact that guys have stacker trailers, and, and that's a very common thing, and got a couple of cars they can run in a couple of categories and take them with them, I, I think that there's more opportunities there, so it, it obviously creates a, a, an odds that it could happen more often. That's a good point. And, you know, you look at, like, who's doing it. It's some of the, the best. Of yeah, I mean, it's some of the most <laughs> talented racers in our sport that just have a knack for getting to the winner's circle, whether it's twice in, in an NHRA event or, you know, at their home track if they choose to go there. So talk about Strick and and Nick Folk and Little John, and this year Ed Open was added to the list. And mm -hmm. Ed Open, uh, how many how many guys do what Ed Open does with the uh, Super Gas and and Top Sportsman? You know that's not a very common combination. So again, I think people are just giving themselves more opportunities. But it's just a supreme level of talent, probably that's the leading factor in my mind. Yeah, no, that's probably very true on on both points. There's probably I think definitely more drivers entering two classes than any time in history. And like you say, when you see the names on the list, it's no surprise that they're winning. Um, on, as for Nick Folk, we've talked 
one of the previous episodes, we dedicated a lot of time to NHRA double ups and we had a little trivia back and forth, had fun with it. Nick became the 23rd driver to double and just the fifth to win six different categories at the NHRA national level. That's again, something that we've discussed before. Just as recap, Jeg is the leader in the clubhouse with wins in seven different classes. Obviously that's counting pro stock plus six sportsman classes. Yeah. Uh, Nick joins Peter Biondo, Justin Lamb, and Dan Fletcher, each as racers that have won in six different classes. The amazing stat, or what stood out to me about that, is that Nick has won in six different classes. Nick Folk has won 11 national events total. 11 wow. total, six different categories. Pretty impressive. Lamb is the only one, I would say. I, I think he's won more than 11. Justin has, but he's probably under 20 to have won in, in that many different categories. And obviously, when you talk about winning in that many different classes, there's something to be said for, well, they've had the opportunity to win in that many different classes. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of racers sure. don't get that opportunity. But like, I don't think you can say that and take anything away from that accomplishment. Like The skill set necessary to win in, say, Super Comp Super Gas versus Stock Eliminator? Like yeah. that, that's night and day. And then you add in a lot of these guys won top dragster or comp, like every class is a different entity. And like, it's just incredible talent and hard work and attention to detail that goes into that feed. And especially particularly in the case of Nick and Justin to have done that at such a, I say young age, Nick's my age. And I keep thinking I'm a kid. I'm not uh, anymore. Justin's probably 10 years younger than either of us, but uh, it, it's yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, when you think about Nick Folk, uh, those of us that know him know that Nick does not lack for confidence in a race vehicle. But even that, that to to have the mix that he has of cars that he's won in just shows a, an amazing level of not only confidence but talent. And Nick just is one of those guys that seems comfortable in anything, Luke. I, I've watched him hit the bottom. I've watched him hit the top. I've watched him hit the bottom in a top bulb race. I've watched him hit the pro tree and the guy just goes about his business extremely well and doesn't get rattled and seems like whatever he's sitting in, he really believes he's going to win in and, and his results obviously show that. But a very, very talented fella, Nick Folk. Jed, on that point, I think I have a feeling like we're going to rue the day that we did not select. Neither of us selected Nick Folk in our championship draft. Coming into the season, he was the reigning Super Comp champion. And I think, at least I'll speak to my end for, for not drafting Nick initially. Like, I just got the impression from talking to him that, like, that's awesome. I accomplished that. That was something that I always wanted to do. And I don't really care. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I, I didn't see him pursuing another championship. It's obvious at this point, he's been in two finals. Like, he's going to go for it. He's only been to three races. But just that and the fact that where those three races were, he runnered up a division event in Grand Bend, Kansas. That's as far west as you can go in Kansas. That's not close to Durand, Illinois. <laughs> he then went to Bristol, Tennessee, which is nine hours from me. Nick is six hours from me in the other direction and left sure. Bristol and went to Norwalk, Ohio. So even if they hadn't done much good, like I'd say they're pretty committed to it. <laughs> yeah, it's some races get closer to home. It's 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 going... Could get ugly. I mean, yeah. he, he could make a serious charge. In, in Supercomp, particularly, like, the weekend as a whole, I could see us looking back in November and say that weekend in late June was a turning point. Obviously, Laboose, Team Jed, looks great. And he looks untouchable in Supergas. He looks great in Supercomp. 
But I'm just telling you, if you're John LaBouche, like, you don't feel as good about this as you did a week ago. Nick won in Norwalk. As I said, he's been to two finals in just three races. Gary Stinnett, Team Luke, won the divisional last weekend in Tulsa. He's been to four races to date. He's got two finals and a quarterfinal. KB, Team Luke, lurking. Austin Williams, Team Jed, lurking. Jacob Elrod, Team Luke, lurking. Okay, <laughs> not only are all of the guys that I just mentioned like set to make a pretty serious run at the championship, or at least at Labusa's total, which may be huge. Like I think he's already at 600 or maybe a little bit over it. But n- not only are the, all of those guys like in position to make that run, everybody that I just mentioned is a past national champion. Somebody's going to, at least one person is going to make this interesting. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's an uh, impressive list of people, and I wouldn't want to be getting chased by them. But like you said, uh, uh, little John probably still feeling pretty good about his position. Oh, no doubt. I'd rather be him than anybody else. I'm just, this is uh, It's going to get interesting. And speaking of interesting, yeah. I actually remember thinking one day last week as my brain just meanders into thinking about what we'll talk about on the podcast or what have you. I thought the only way that we'll say anything about the Superstock points, points chase next week is if Jody Lang wins in Seattle. Mm. Jody Lang won in Seattle. So this got real interesting. David Rampey, Team Jed. Still has to be considered the favorite, but Jody just got his second win of the season at the Seattle Divisional, and now through the same number of points-earning races, he's less than two rounds behind Rampy. There will be some others like that get in the mix, but those two definitely look like the leader in the clubhouse now, and I find it interesting. I actually meant to do a little bit more research on this, but like it's really hard to win a national championship from Division Six. For a, a, a variety of reasons. The first off, just being like simple geography. Like, and again, I meant to, to have some real numbers here to spit out to you guys, but we get spoiled on this side of the country. Like, I technically live in Division Three, and like my six or eight or whatever, if I want to make eight division races, like the closest eight to me actually lay in like four different divisions. You know what I mean? Like, we, mm. we get around pretty easily. Say Jody Lang, like he lives in somewhere near Seattle, Washington. So the the Division Six, just the Division Six footprint, like I don't, I I, I wish I had exact mileage, but like those races ain't close. Okay, like <laughs> he goes to Seattle, he goes to Woodburn, Mission, British Columbia. I think they got a race over in Montana, which is probably like I don't know, eight hundred miles from him. That's in division. Yeah. And then you think about like national events. They've got Seattle. So that's cool. That's close. The next closest one is Sonoma. And like those of us on this side of the country, we're like, yeah, those two, they're kind of close together. You know what I mean? They're over there on the West Coast. <laughs> like Seattle ain't close to Sonoma. And then from there, you're talking like, I guess it'd be two trips to Pomona and two trips to Vegas. I don't know how far it is from Seattle to Vegas. It ain't close. Like that. No, it's a bad. So just to, the pure logistics of getting there is difficult. Plus, the Division Six guys, if you're going to go, like you, you got to pretty much go to all those same races. So that's obviously where the best racers are. That's fine. And what happens in Division 6 and what Jody's going to be up against to some extent, like his wins, like you've beaten everybody that they pull up beside you, but both of his wins are five-round races. So that's 10 points shy of what somebody's getting in Division 2 or Division 4 or mm. 1 when they win a race. Now, granted, they're winning more rounds to do it. They deserve those extra points, but all you can do is beat the people they put in front of you. So, like... In recent history, and our listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, like I know Jackie Alley won the Superstock Championship out of Division Six. 
I don't remember another Division Six racer winning a national championship, like maybe in my lifetime in, in the sports wow. categories. So, and Jody's been close. And like Jody had the heartbreak of, I think he was standing on the starting line in Las Vegas one year after leading like nearly wire to wire and watched Joe Santangelo run the table. I mean, like he had to make the, had to win the national and make the semis of the points meet or something like that. And he did it. So yeah. Jody's been close and, and that would make a heck of a story. But I guess I, I just find it interesting how, and I think it's underestimated how difficult it is to make a run like that from that part of the country. Yeah, it takes a obviously a serious commitment to it. But Jody's um, one of the more talented racers in in the category, so uh, obviously he's got good reason for chasing it. But you know, you're so analytical, Luke. You think of things I don't think about, which I mean, obviously in other areas of racing, why you do what you do and I do what I do, but. Uh, you you know you're talking about not having as many opportunities and rounds and those things all that stuff plays a major factor so you know Jody's uh seemingly got the odds against him from the division he races in and but he makes it work he's a he's a guy who's always in the thick of it mm-hmm. in the last class I wanted to touch on briefly was uh, stock eliminator we talked about this a little bit last week and how interesting this looked like it could get like early in the year this looked like a runaway for Kevin Helms team Luke mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, so suddenly it's, it's it's anything but with his win at Norwalk reigning champ Jeff Strickland team Luke is absolutely <laughs> within striking distance and with his runner-up a double runner-up at that, runner-up in stock and super stock in Tulsa, Jerry Emmons, Team Jed, there we go. is making a serious charge. That race at Tulsa, Jerry lost an epic final to Brett Candies. They were both double-O on the tree. It looked like a heck of a race. But Candies is another one who is a huge threat with two early finals, not a ton of races. Plus, you've got the usual suspects in contention, you know, Cooter and Tibor Kadar and Rizzoli and on down the line, like uh, stock. Like I say, it didn't look like it was going to be that interesting like i wouldn't surprise me if that's one where you've got four or five guys at the end of the year north of 600 you know and maybe two or three with totals that would normally win the championship yeah that should uh should be interesting you know stalkers are man those are different breeds so that class always seems to, to the unexpected always seems to happen towards the end of the year and so that's not over uh, obviously helms in wonderful shape hashtag team loop like i care but but it should still be interesting i think that the guys behind him are going to want to still make a chase at it a little all-state update for you the, this is really this is the release i've been waiting for this to me is the coolest class in the all-state runoff the most intriguing class in the all-state runoff it's the utility class and Jed just for our listeners that are just kind of catching up on the Allstate deal, tell us how this utility class is going to work. I think it's going to be awesome. Well, it is uh, it's it is going to be awesome, and it is going to be the most challenging category in the Allstate Challenge in that, you know, the guys will be basically given, and I don't know exactly when, I would guess just prior to the round, they're going to be given the category in which they'll be competing in and sent out to compete in it and I, you know, it's utility. So basically you're supposed to be able to run in any category that is in the all state challenge. And they're not going to know which category they're running till. Uh, do you know how, how long before they get in the car? I don't know or? exactly when that'll be determined. I assume it's like not till they get to the staging lanes. Like one round will be top ball. One round will be bottom ball. 
One round will be yeah. eighth mile. One round will be quarter. The next round maybe thousand foot. Like this is really brings out like who can do it all, and at basically on command. Yeah, it's going to be rather interesting to see how it plays out. But you know everybody's going to bring their weapon of choice to the staging lanes, and they're going to be told how they're going to compete. And you're right, it's going to be different distances. It's going to be different, you know, top bulb, bottom bulbs, so or different areas on the tree and. It's a star-studded list. I mean, it really is. Yeah, I mean, when we go through the rosters for every class of the All-States Showdown, like, it's star-struck. Like, it's loaded. But this one is unique because, A, like, it's my opinion that your utility driver, like, I put a big emphasis on versatility when I'm trying to decide, like, who I think the best racers are. So in mm-hmm. my mind, like, this is, in a lot of ways, you could look at this as, like, this is the best representative from your state. You know what I mean? This is the guy or girl that can do it yep. all. That's pretty cool to me. And just, you see the names on here and they're, they're people that have won in various classes and various series. Like this is going to be so much fun to watch. Yeah, it is. And, uh, it's a, again, the list we've teased you with is, uh, very impressive. And we'll go ahead and name those off as it's been released. Uh, my Alabama Slammers has, uh, Hugh Meeks. Arkansas has Keith Hall. California is Tommy Dutcher. Florida is John Siegel. Georgia is Stephen McCrory. Your team, Illinois, Luke, is Chad Isley. Indiana is Wes May. Kentucky is Scotty Richardson. Louisiana is Slate Cummings. Maryland is Tommy Cable. Mississippi is Brian Robinson. I mean, it's just unbelievable. New Jersey has yet to name uh, their utility racer. New York is Pete Diagnolo. Uh, which is super hot right now himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, North Carolina has yet to name their driver. Ohio is Randy Biddle Jr. Oklahoma is Jay Bunts. South Carolina is Scott Duggins. Tennessee has not named a driver yet. Texas is uh, Jeff Heffler, which we mentioned earlier in the show. Virginia is Steve Weatherow. Uh, Kansas is Chris Livingood. Uh, Michigan is Mike Gramlich. Pennsylvania is Brock Mosier. Uh, Missouri is Jeremy McKeggie. Iowa is Rob Livingston. Nebraska is Jerry Pichek. Is that right? I'm not sure. I've always pronounced it Pisek, but I may be wrong. Okay. Well, it's one of those, definitely. (laughs) Colorado does not have a driver yet. Ontario, Canada is Andrew Sturk. Minnesota is Jason Kurkowski. South Dakota has yet to name a driver, and Wisconsin is Billy Curtis Jr. And Luke, I, I mean, we say it over and over every week, but if I look down that list, that to me is about the most impressive list because it's got people from every facet of our sport. Right. So, it's going to be so uh, cool to get them all in one category. This, like to say, to me, this is the most intriguing class of the All-State deal. Like, this is going to be cool. And we do this every week. We say, well, who is the most accomplished? And you go through this list, like, Champs won everything there is to win on the bracket scene. Chad Isley's a multi-time NHRA ET world champion. Scotty Richardson has won everything in the world. Slate Cummings, multi-time world champion. And IHRA, Brian Robinson, Former NHRA world champion, Scott Duggins, multi-time IHRA world champion. Jeff Heffler's won a world championship. Andrew Sturk has won IHRA title. Like, yeah. I, I think the most accomplished has got to be Scotty because like, he's arguably the best racer that's ever put on a helmet. But like, the, the gap <laughs> isn't huge here. 
No, it isn't. And um, when I look at people like Steve Witherow and Brock Mosier and, you know, some guys that you might not think of as utility at all times, you might think Steve Witherow, just a top bulb guy and Brock, just a bottom bulb guy. But it's, you know, Steve is extremely talented on the bottom and Brock is equally as talented on the top. But if it's top bulb race, Brock might be hitting the bottom, knowing him as, as good as he is on the bottom. So some serious talent on that list. And again, I, I can't wait to stand at the fence or sit in a tower or wherever I'm going to be and watch it play out. Yeah, okay. So Scotty is the most uh, accomplished. Who is the hottest right now of this group? Uh, honestly, the hottest right now could possibly be Pete Diagnolo. Tommy Cable is extremely hot. Mm-hmm. Pete D is, uh, I mean, you if you're watching the results, and I know you are, you're seeing this guy win in multiple categories, and, you know, he'll win on bracket night, too, and he's just turning on a lot of wind lights and, and full of confidence. I don't even know which car he'll bring, but I would assume he'll have the Malibu with him. Okay, make your pick. Pete to the fire, you got to pick one. Who you got a feeling about? I really feel good about Tommy Cable. Tommy's a guy that, just doesn't seem to let things bother him. He's going to be in a fast door car. And I feel like he gets around as much as anybody and races different distances and those things. So, I don't know. I feel good about Tommy. Fair enough. Uh, my gut here is to go with Jeff Heffler. Like, we've talked about that before and just how I put him on a pedestal, I guess, from watching him so many years just dominate. And he's still dominating. But we talked about this before on a past episode, too. The record that Slate Cummings has in, like, shootout events, 32 or less car fields, is, like, ridiculous. And he just gets up for these races, and he's another guy that just doesn't ever seem to lack for confidence and is not the least bit scared to just, no. I'm either, if it turns green, you're losing. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, and that, that, I think that attitude is what it's going to take to win this. So if I had to pick one, I, I think I'd put my money on slate. Yeah. Very good choice there as well. And I don't think you can make a bad pick, but that was a couple of tough ones for sure. <laughs> no doubt. We uh, mentioned them earlier. I want to take a moment to introduce a new partner to the show and that's Siebert Performance. Luke Siebert, like the name. At Siebert Performance is a uh, is a sportsman drag racer. He's had some success in Stock Eliminator and in the bracket ranks. I actually spoke with Luke this morning about the podcast and about his business. And to be completely honest, like it was just refreshing. He's a young guy, and kind of like I talked about with Nick Folk. Like I, I think of him as a young guy because he's my age. I guess we're not that young anymore. But he realized that he had a passion for our sport early in his life. And he went to school to become a machinist. And then he spent seven years working for a renowned engine builder before going out on his own and establishing Siebert Performance. Siebert Performance has become a nationally known entity. They build competition engines for all kinds of racing, bracket, class, heads up, you name it. Plus, they offer quality machining services. They specialize in carburetors, both new and refurbished. And they stock a variety of products that we all need. To find out more about Siebert Performance, visit SiebertPerformance.com and follow Siebert Performance on Facebook. Racing RVs is heavily involved in sportsman drag racing. They headline the NHRA Top Dragster and Top Sportsman Series. They sponsor all of the SFG Promotions events, including the World Series of Bracket Racing, the Super Bowl of Bracket Racing, and the Powerball event. Racing RV sponsors racers including Austin Williams, Disco Dean Carnes, and our own Luke Bogacki. 
and they present this podcast that you're listening to. In short, Racing RVs is invested in sportsman drag racing. So when the time comes for you to make an investment in your own RV or trailer, we encourage you to support the company that supports sportsman drag racing. That's Racing RVs. They do it all. New coaches, used units, financing, trade-ins, consignments, you name it, they can take care of you. Visit online at RacingRVs.com. All right, guys, up next, we've got a longtime racer and a man of many nicknames, including one of my all-time favorites, Ivan No Driving. Doesn't get much better than that. And the voice of the Jeg Summer Door Car Shootout, our personal good buddy, Willie Burnett. Willie, how you doing today? LB Money, Big Jed, how are things? <laughs> doing great, buddy. <laughs> doing well. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks for man, coming on. Great, great to be here. So I, I appreciate the call and... Uh, I can't drive worth a darn, and uh, but I can I can talk. So that's about the only thing I can go for me. I, the gift of gab is uh, one thing my mama gave me. So well, you're good at both, bud. And what's happening in your world today? Man, nothing much. Uh, the old uh, slave driver Luke's got me doing some recordings for the Summer Door Car Shootout. Put a new tire yeah. on the trailer. Uh, went up to old US 36 Dragway for my first time ever, and. Uh, that five o'clock in the morning tire blowout always is a good time. So you oh, know, man. just just recovering from the sleep deprivation. How how about you, gentlemen? Oh man, couldn't be better. <laughs> Willie, for for our listeners that may not be as familiar with you, tell us a little bit about like because I think your story is kind of unique and how briefly how you got involved in racing in the in the first place because you weren't like a born into the family racer, were you? No, no, I wasn't. My dad was always a car guy. We uh, ran some tire stores here uh, in the Manhattan, Kansas, and uh, Kansas City area. I always really enjoyed cars. My dad worked 80 hours a week, so that Sunday was the only day he had, and our church was working on cars, you know, and so, uh, and that's where I came up with. But I had a very close, close friend of mine, uh, Kyle Lawrence. I started running around with him in high school, and dad and I went out to the track, met his dad, Randy. Anybody who's met Randy Lawrence was one of the most amazing people ever. And he kind of took me under, uh, under his wing, traveled to, uh, us nationals with him. He was racing super gas and just kind of got the bug going. And so from my little V six Vegas station wagon, I had that my dad and I put together <laughs> that was fighting for a 10 second crack in the eighth mile. Um, you think race car, who doesn't think V6 Vega station wagon? <laughs> yeah, hey, no doubt. yeah, she was not fast, but she had 33,000 original miles on her. Red on red. One car I'd want to have back is that car. It was the most pristine Vega station wagon you've ever seen. Uh, this old lady owned it. And uh, other than her parking by Braille in her garage, that thing was really nice, and it blew up the second motor, the second four-cylinder, and Dad got it. So we were like, oh, let's throw this V6 in there, all 140 horsepower V6." Uh, so it, but it was fun, man, and it's a, uh, it doesn't take much to start the bug, that is for sure. And so no from doubt. 16 years old, racing for trophies, and just moving on up and up, and getting a couple Chevy twos and a couple dragsters, and this and that and everything else, and. Uh, then I, not to keep jabber, but the, the next step kind of was, uh, I got uh, to be really good friends with the Loebners, JR and John and Jerrica Loebner. 
and uh, they kind of took me under their wings to the second step and and really got to see what big money bracket racing and traveling was. They put me up in the upper sleeping hole behind the television in their Toto home for almost an entire <laughs> summer and drug me and uh, what we always called the junior dragster around. It was not really a junior dragster because I was in that age that we never had junior dragsters. So, but it was a 200 inch car actually that Luke drove back in the day. That and was Skelton's uh, old car, wasn't it? It was, it was Skelton's old car, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And it was the only dragster that would actually fit with JR's car on the top of the lift in the stacker. So they're like, hey, look, you fit, you get to come. So they drug, <laughs> they drug me around to every place. And, and it was amazing to see the see what drag racing really was, you know, outside of this little podunk eighth mile racetrack, the only place I've ever been to for years and years. And you go out and you're like, wow, this is this is so much more, you know, the people, the competition, everything was, it just hit me right on the head, you know? And so that, that really kind of got me started. It never, uh, cool. it never turned into me being very good at drag racing, but, uh, <laughs> I always say I surrounded myself with so many good racers that I was never going to be the good, the best racer in the group. So, and that's okay with me. <laughs> I got to say, Willie, of all of the cars that I've seen you drive and own over the years, the, the wagon seems to fit. Oh, the outlaw? Yes. Yeah, she's nice. She's a real, it's probably the, probably the nicest piece I've ever seen. I'm sure it was, uh, I'm sure it was Bickle's first race car that he ever built. <laughs> the story I've heard on that car is that it was a IHRA Superstock car back in the early 80s. And it still wears the same early '80s paint scheme that it did back in the day. So I, but <laughs> I out of all, the, I, I know I've told you this. I grew up watching that car. That car was at Texas yeah. Raceway in my youth, and there was a stint there where it went like way too fast. Like <laughs> I, it went five forties or something. I, I want to say that a man named that, Jerry Cook owned it at the time. George Watson drove it a little bit too. I don't remember who went fast with it, but I thought, man, that's way too fast for that big wagon. But it was good. They want a bunch of money in it. <laughs> yeah, you, you looked at it surprised that it had a rear bumper on it when I think I first came across it with you because it, well, it doesn't do that anymore. Okay. So <laughs> it's, 650s is plenty. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> really, as we, uh, as we kind of introduced you as the announcer of the, the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout, that's uh, the, the voice of the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout, something we anointed you a, a couple years ago. What I wanted to do today, I think more than anything, is have a little announcer fun with you and Jed, probably my two favorite announcers to, to listen to on the mic outside of maybe Alan Reinhardt or somebody like that. But I take it, that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I think it's so cool because it's so easy to follow along with either one of you guys. And what's funny, being on my end, having, you know, I guess, quote unquote, worked with you, is you guys are way more entertaining in the tower than I think you are over the PA in in, <laughs> in, in, in different ways. Like Jed was always the one that would be, ah, that's both a little bit late, good race, and click the mic off and lean back in the chair and go, what the heck just happened? You know what I mean? Just, and we'd laugh about it. And, and Willie is, is the, you guys have a lot of the same characteristics, but Willie's is more like the kind of understated sarcasm. That it's just, yes. just cracks me up. So yeah, uh, so he's very good at that. <laughs> well, you could call it sarcasm, but in reality, it's lack of knowledge. So, that's... 
<laughs> Case in point. <laughs> so uh, you guys both have a, a fair amount of experience behind the mic. Like I'm interested in it from that perspective. Like, do you have like a, a, a favorite call that stands out or a call that you, you look back on and go, man, why couldn't I come up with something better there? <laughs> I was thinking about this and like I said, I, I haven't done a ton of work beyond just somebody randomly letting me walk up in the tower and make noise. But the first time I ever announced was a race in uh, Kansas International Dragway in Wichita. And a good buddy of mine, Tyler Wadorzik, was driving this uh, red Chevy 2 that I had traded for my junior dragster and was kind of in between cars at the time. And I think I just bought my my first real dragster. And so I had this car. I didn't foot brake. I didn't know what to do. So I gave him the car. I said, you drive it for the year. And he and that car went all over and won a bunch of money. It was a great time. But uh, it was a $5,000 to win foot brake race. And the first time I had ever really announced. After, you know, the first 12-hour stint of announcing, not really understanding how hard of a job it is. And... Probably a few cocktails. Um, <laughs> Tyler lined up and won the final that day. And I think I spewed a run of profanity that probably has never been heard over a PA system again because I was so excited. And uh, that day... So do you, do you qualify that as as your best moment or your worst behind the mic? <laughs> maybe maybe both. Right now, right now it's 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 in the run for both. Buddy, so. <laughs> oh, oh man! But I, I always say this when I'm announcing and stuff. But one of my favorite saying is is uh, as long as when you walk down from the tower and nobody's standing at the bottom ready to kick your butt, then you did okay. You know, and that was the first time I was like, well. I must not have made anybody too mad because nobody was waiting for me when I got got down the stairs. So yeah, you don't want to see that. Yeah, job I have, done. I have know? heard you say that. How about you, Big Dead? Oh, Luke, uh, I've got a lot of a lot of funny moments, but you know, I I want to tie it to back to your event. I was the announcer, as most will know, for your first couple of races there at I fifty seven, and I think <laughs> year one. It come a flood on us, and you know the tower at I fifty seven left a little bit to be desired. Obviously, it's a total <laughs> redo there, but the tower used to be a little bit rough, and it was um, a suspect. It, yeah, it it was raining really hard, and for the first time in my announcing career <laughs> or racing career, it was raining in the tower, not on it. Uh, <laughs> we had to get a large tote, plastic tote, to there were fit on the buckets involved in that process. Yeah. <laughs> And put it on the tech card table and uh, and catch the rain that was coming in the tower. So it was, it was pretty bad when you get rained out of the tower. We had to, had to exit it. So that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And then, of course, the burnout contest that you have every year, the best burnout. I think it's in round two, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Why do we do it in round two, Willie? Oh, the burnout contest? Yeah. Because that way, you know, you got to win the round two, you know, you got to go for it. So because it's, anybody it's, it's can do just, a burnout yeah. in time trials when it you got to burn, burn it out and stage that sucker. That's right. And you don't get to come back, you know, <laughs> do it when it counts. And uh, with that particular year, we were having the burnout contest and 
like I said, the tower was kind of old and a little, little raggedy, but it was, it served its purpose, but it was right between the burnout boxes at the old setup. So when the cars were burned out, you were burned out with them. They didn't bother talking on the mic because you were just wasting your time. And the burnout was long and loud and hard and you couldn't see it till they come past the tower. And when it come past the tower, Donnie Ellis was completely sideways and come to a screeching halt. I don't remember how far out Luke probably will. I'd say 150 feet or so. <laughs> uh, sideways on the racetrack. As Stop. sideways as you can be. Like nearly pointed. perpendicular to the racetrack. Yes. yes, pointed straight across the track. <laughs> Three-point turnabout and situation, I got you. He had, and I announced that he had to do a three-point turn. You know it's a good burnout when you got to do a three-point turn. <laughs> to get back on the racing surface and he did and it was it obviously won the competition and it was a lot of fun but uh some awesome moments there at the summer door car shootout for sure jed i i not only enjoyed your call on that but your follow-up because you guys both know the way that this works like we spend seemingly half a second round egging people on like Hey, win a set of slicks, do a freaking burnout you know what i mean i mean we, we we ramp it up pretty good after donnie did that Jed came over the PA and says, okay, guys, look, you're not going to win the burnout contest without in- making the ambulance come out on the racetrack. So just quit trying. It's over. Donnie wins. We're just going to call it. Yeah. Yeah. No, we did not want that to happen. So we just had them quit wasting their time. So that, was a, that was a lot of fun. Oh, man. That, that, and that does remind me of, uh, I remember last year at the Summer Door Car Shootout that I think that Saturday night is such an amazing night because I don't know, you know, you, different people go to different tracks and and most of the time as bracket racers, we don't see a lot of fans. You know, there's not a lot of people on the stands. Sure. I-57 packs that place. Yes. I mean, Saturday night is you can just feel it in the tower. You know, I can tingles thinking about it because it was all these people just piled up this on the line. There was this, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was driving a Chevy two that looked like it had probably 970 cubic inches of, of motor hanging out. No hood. I think he was running in the, in the quick 16. Randy seal, I believe is the name. You're Randy. For. Mm-hmm. And so my whole goal for the, that entire evening was to convince the crowd that it had a Cummins turbo diesel in it. <laughs> Or no Duramax. I went Duramax because that would make more sense. So that was my job. And and I would just sit there and watch the crowd response and look up at me when I would say that it was the fastest (laughs) Duramax powered Chevy (laughs) two in the country. You know, they, but the fan involvement probably is my, my favorite part of the summer door car shootout. It's it, that Saturday is just so amazing. I, 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 you hear me talk on the, on the mic about it all night long yeah. but that's really how i feel i mean it, it is it is amazing so it is willie what about like hearing announcers make a call a funny call or a, a famous call you have any recollection of something like that that you that you'd want to share the one thing that always sticks in my head and i don't remember who started it it may have been you jed but it was uh two guys came up and to the line and some guy was bill johnson and some guy was jimmy jackson and and i believe the and the announcer had a good southern draw and he said he's like talking about this guy talking about this guy it was just uh i don't know how to exactly explain it but it was like jimmy johnson in the right lane coming up here out of uh 
Pokeville, Kentucky, and uh, Jack Jensen over here, no relation. And I was like, <laughs> no relation? You know, I was like, yeah. but just the way you say it, like, no relation? Like, we need to have some clarify that this was not his kinfolk or any kinfolk of the other driver. I don't I, Just one of those. I, I always have that no relation thing stuck in my head. I don't know. I don't know who that was, but dang it. I don't, I just can't forget it. Uh, who knows? I, <laughs> I don't really know it's, what it's I It's funny to me. I doubt it's funny to anybody else. But you We've know. already discussed the fact that Jed is not rehearsed at all. Like, he doesn't think these things through beforehand. And half the time, no. I'm convinced, he doesn't remember them after the fact, which probably no. comes with the territory when you're talking to people for 10 straight hours a day. <laughs> yes. I have very little memory of what I say. Uh, people ask me all the time, do you really say that? I don't know. I mean, if you think you heard it, I probably did. <laughs> One of my favorites, Willie and Luke, both Winston County drag strip. You talk I have about been to Winston County drag strip. <laughs> you talk about podunk <laughs> tracks a little earlier, and this is a a little country race track. Somebody just carved out of a hill, and the guardrail's knee high to a grasshopper. Okay, and it's it's this uh, dangerous place. All right, and today by today's standards. <laughs> cars burning out and the only way you could get from the pit or spectator side to the concession stand is walk 300 feet or so and go behind the cars that are burning out or you just jump over this six inches of guardrail and run across the racetrack if you want to go to the concession stand so i'm there in the pits probably the only time i've been there i guess maybe i've been there twice but the cars would burn out they'd stage and they'd take off and then Three or four people jump over the guardrail, run across the racetrack, go to the concession stand. What happened like three pair in a row? So I'm thinking, man, this announcer is fixing to tear these people a new one. I mean, they, they are about to get lit up. I just can't wait. You know, I'm really excited. So like two pair run and nobody goes across the racetrack. So somehow he's gotten a message to them to quit doing that. <laughs> well, right during the burnout, he lets them burn out and starts coming to the line. And he starts, all right, now, Bill's got those hamburgers and hot dogs. They're ready over here. Y'all come on. Get on. He ain't even to the staging beams yet. If y'all coming across, come on. He's telling them. <laughs> Jump out in front of the cars and run across the racetrack to get their hot dogs and hamburgers. I mean, the cars are pulling up to pre-stage. So I'm thinking they're about to get lit up, and he's trying to sell hamburgers and hot dogs at all costs. To heck with the safety of the spectators. Let's sell some hamburgers <laughs> and dogs. Absolutely. So, and that's my kind of crossing guard right there, you know? Yeah, why would you go, 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 go. 300 feet. <laughs> and, of course, my, one of my all-time favorites is the announcer at Carolina Dragway back in the B&M days. I knew you were going to get to this. <laughs> he could not say Luke Bogacki to save his life. I even was in the tower with him at one point, And I said, it's Bogacki. And he could not say it. And of course, Luke went extremely deep in the program, if not winning the whole thing. And we heard it 15 times, at least that day, Luke Bogalak. <laughs> so we got uh, right lane going to be Luke Bogalak, left lane. And it's like, how are you getting Bogalak? out of that but he that's all he could say he could not say bogaki it's stuck and, too that was probably 15 years ago yeah so <laughs> is, is is one of his many interpretations and uh that was 
I want some I'll never forget. I just won't ever forget that guy not being able to say Bogacki. Jed, <laughs> of all the of all the cool big stages that you've been on, what uh, is, I know you've had some memorable moments not only on the racetrack but behind the mic. Is there anything that stands out as a little a cut above the rest? Yes, I've had a lot of wonderful moments behind the microphone, and personally, I I had rather call a good, exciting, important run as I had make it honestly because i think you get opportunity to make those special but i got to interview dave mcclellan which is uh, obviously the father of kevin mcclellan knn vice president and somebody you're very familiar with and it was the knn spring fling in vegas and they had big mac they had pops out there and wanted me to do an interview with him it was one of the most amazing times behind the mac the, the mic that i got to spend with mr mac and such a legend in the sport, obviously uh, an extremely knowledgeable guy in our sport, been doing it a long time, and I was an absolute nervous wreck, didn't know what to say or do, and I'm just Jed from Colburg, Alabama, and they're wanting me to announce, a, I mean, to interview a legend, but it was a really, really cool moment that I got to do with him, and something I, again, won't ever forget, and I know it's so fresh and recent on everybody's mind, but getting to call Verdi winning both millions you know again i try to remember all the time how fortunate i am a guy from a little town in alabama that gets to run around the country talking to people about racing and to get to do both millions on each coast and verdi winning both of them was a really really cool experience uh, obviously because he's a good friend and a good guy but the significance and historical value there was really cool. And Yeah, and the story um, of both of those races, I mean, for different reasons, I think, the spring race and the fall mm-hmm. race. With the fall race, I really think the story was just doing it twice. Spring race was more the story of driving cross-country. You know, I mean, it's just a neat sure. – those were – I was on hand for both of those and got to listen to your calls. Like, those were really special moments. Yeah, they were, and uh, for me as well. And, you know, again, I, I hate to make this sound – so homey here but you know getting to call your your million win luke was uh, really special for me obviously we've been good friends for a long time but the the podcast has strengthened that relationship and and got us where we're connected each week if not sometimes daily and getting to see you accomplish something that i know how hard you work for that was a really special moment for me as well so i've had a lot of wonderful moments and but but those stand out I always tell you, Jed, from an outside perspective, watching that online with knowing both of you guys as I do. And I mean, I, I remember sitting there with my wife in bed trying to get the iPad plugged into the television, you know, because I, yeah. I knew the final was coming up and, and, and getting to enjoy and watching that. It was from the outside perspective, you know, I, I want you guys to know how much it it means to have not only someone like that to to make sure that everyone is part of that great moment you know it's a really amazing to to be a part of it through that way so well you know that's that's definitely what you want willie you want the people listening to feel like obviously you get to watch it now with the live feeds but you don't always know the story by what the scoreboard says so you you want the people listening to feel the story you know the best you can tell it in a a 12 to 15 second time frame so i appreciate you saying that no for sure for sure willie while i got you on here i want to do a little shameless self-promotion 
Summer Door Car Shootout is two weeks away. You'll be there working the event. Jed, you'll be there competing in the event, correct? Man, I will. Very excited. Awesome, awesome. Willie, you talked a little bit about how cool and how, I don't know, kind of hard to describe and unique the Saturday night aspect of the event is. And this year, really largely based on some ideas that you came up with last year, we're ramping that up a little bit more. It's a fun show for the spectators. We try to make it that. And again, I just, like you guys said, like it's more fun to race when people are watching. The main thing I think you talk about is the, the excitement this year that I'm super excited about too is is how the wheelie contest is going to be addressed. And uh, for one, I don't want to call anybody out, but Jed, I know, <laughs> I know Big Red's got it in her. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, it's oh, Willie. we don't have anything else to do, sir. So oh. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting uh, great things, you know. Oh, Willie, that's a life I don't want to live anymore, my friend, but uh, I'm looking forward to watching it anyway. You know how to piece it back together, so let it eat, you know? (laughs) Yeah, 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 I do know how to put it back together, unfortunately. I'm getting good at that. But this year, what we're going to do is uh, have the best two wheelies. Before, you know, it was the, we just take the best wheelie from, I believe, second round. Am I right on that? I think we did it for the whole day. We just voted the whole day. Right. But this year we're going to have the two best wheelie cars go up head to head for the title. It's a wheelie off. The wheelie off. Yes, the wheelie <laughs> off. I think you named it. I may have brought up the idea, but you named it the wheelie off. It's it is a beautiful, beautiful concept, and I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, we'll do the same thing with the burnout contest. The two best burnouts of second round. We'll we'll have a little contest Saturday night for the fans. Plus, we're doing some new stuff this year. We're actually going to give away um, like 500 bucks to uh, one lucky fan. Basically, every entrant. It's an idea I kind of stole from the Ultimate 64 shootout, to be completely honest. But every entrant in our King, Illinois, we're going to march them out on the racetrack before first round and throw a baseball or something along those lines. Each competitor will have one, throw it into the stands with their name on it. Whatever fan is holding the baseball of the uh, with the winner's name on it at the end of the night gets the cash. So give a little re- oh, interest involved. So yeah, it it uh, like I say some stuff for the fans, and like I say, we intend to pack that place. And and as a racer, like I just think that builds the excitement level. Oh, no doubt. As a, as a guy coming to race, uh, it's definitely exciting for me to get to be out there and be a part of that. And I can enter shootouts and those things if I choose to. But I think Willie will attest to this as well. You know, Luke, that the little special things you do and having the crowd makes the announcer's job more fun. The wheelie contest, the burnout contest, uh, Willie, I'm sure you you would agree with this, but it, it just makes the job a lot more fun to do. It's just added extra things to it. I, I totally agree. It's, you know, one thing about announcing that I am not good at and compared to a lot of people is sometimes I get a little tied up in the numbers. You know, I'm not the mathematician by heart, so... Anytime I can just randomly get excited about stuff and not have to explain the details, I am totally in. You, know? <laughs> uh, you do an awesome job keeping everybody entertained. That's, uh, that's part of the job. Uh, Willie, one last thing on the on the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout. Uh, you have announced now, is it two or three years? I think this is this will be my third year. I think. Have you been yeah, to every year. one of them? 
everyone but one. Okay, I, I thought you'd been to all of them or most of them. I've been, to, been to all but one. You're pretty familiar with the history of the event, and it seems like, like all races, I guess, you, as much parody as there is today, like there's a few people that just stand out. And we've had some like multi-time repeat winners over the years at the Jake Summer Dorco Shootout. I know that you're the announcer. I know that you're supposed to be biased. But if I had to say, like, hey, man, your, uh, your weekend pay is going to depend on picking one guy or gal to at least advance to the final one day, well, who would you put your money on? I'm going to say, uh, can I have two? Can I have two shots? Sure. I'm going to go either Jeremy McCaig or Jeremy Jensen. Mm, very the, good Jer- the Jeremys have always put on a good show. My uh, quick numbers show that between those two gentlemen, eight final round appearances – Five wins and three runner-ups. That's what I show on my sheet. So See, this um, is what I like about Willie. That's preparation right there. He does that he, homework. I just that, I just scribbled this down ten minutes ago. So I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up. Thanks, buddy. You make me look good. <laughs> so you're telling me don't line up with either of those guys if I can help it. Yeah, I mean, you know, Rob Cropfield, that guy put on a show last year. He's got two wins and a runner-up. Brian Robinson. Three runner-ups, so he is due. If you want somebody to go in the winner's circle, he has had three final round appearances and not been able to make it happen. So uh, yeah. I think probably going to be a little hungry. Andrew, uh, Andrew D. Piazza, isn't that another one that's been to several he's got, Yes. He's got yeah. two wins. Todd Cincy's got a couple wins. Greg yeah. Dawson, a win and a runner-up. I mean, these guys Alabama are no boy joke. boy there, Jeff. Yeah, old Dawson. He, yeah. He's going fast, fast in that. Going fast in that. <laughs> Man, Folks, you got to come see the Opal. I mean, it, it, it was my favorite car last year. This thing, this little maroon Opal, I mean, it, it cannot be. I don't think the wheelbase has been altered one inch from original, and it was going 480s, and yeah. it was beautiful. He didn't stutter. Didn't it was an Opal going 480. Oh, and he won he, Queen he, 16 last year. Yes, he, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. Luke Dawson goes 480s at a good time. I know. I've heard that. <laughs> he's, a, he's a tough man. That's all I can yeah, that man is not afraid. So, uh, Willie, we got to hold your feet to the fire now. We we try to close out each of our interviews with a little rapid fire. Oh man! Yeah. So short answer, short questions. If you had never gotten involved in racing, you would be a farmer. I don't know. You know, that's that's a farmer. great question. That, so that's one we hadn't heard. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll let you think on that. Maybe come back to it. You come up with something. Yeah, that's <laughs> man. Yeah. Uh, hey, by the way, one thing I don't do is think quick on my feet. So I was hoping this section wasn't going to be part of the interview. <laughs> you do, do a little family feud pass on that one. Maybe we'll come back. <laughs> Willie, would you rather announce a perfect run or make a perfect run? Announce one for sure. Me too. I like it. You've got Cause it, cause one. It, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, I was just going to say, because if you, when you make the perfect run, you just got, you know, you used to a bad job of screwing up. So announcing <laughs> it's a lot more fun. <laughs> Pretty much. You've got You've one got weekend, one. Willie, to go race anywhere in the country. Where are you headed? You know, I'm probably going to go down to Mocan Dragway. The Smoking Mocan. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's my favorite track. I know it's only an hour and a half from the house, but I'm good. That's, that's where I love to be. It's, it's. One of the best run little hometown, no frills tracks that you'll ever see. And I know, Luke, you've been down there a time or two. And uh, it's just a great place. So, awesome. Well, next time Spoken you go to Mocan, say hi to Carl for me. I definitely will, sir. I definitely will. All right, Willie. Rather go fishing or go hunting? Fishing. Mm. 
Luke's a fisherman, so he would appreciate that. Yeah, I, I heard that earlier. <laughs> yeah, quite the fisherman. Two-part question to close it out, Willie. This one's a little in-depth. You might have to have a minute. I, I got a little carried away with my rapid fire. Oh, no. You can have three dinner guests, anybody in the world. Who would it be? And the most important part, at least as far as Jed and I are concerned, where are you eating? Oh, man. Three dinner yeah. guests, huh? How about John Force? That'd be entertaining. And who else would I be? Because I just think John Force would just be an enjoyable dinner guest. So he would probably uh, George Strait. Nice. Oh yeah. Just because he's a nice guy, I figure he'd. Uh, and the George Strait John too, Force also. dynamic would have to be exhilarating, <laughs> right? I mean, you just, oh, just imagine. Would... It would be more. It would be more than interesting. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how that would all turn out. So, <laughs> and not to get sensitive, but I'd probably take Jericho Lobner would be my uh, be my third choice. Cool. So, Can't go wrong. So, good, good girl, one of my best friends ever, and uh, Mr. Dearly. So I'd I'd love to have her be a part of anything one more time. Yeah, good stuff. Very good. Well, Willie, thank you, man. Thank you for coming on. Look forward to seeing you here in a couple of weeks up in uh, in Benton. And uh, take care, buddy. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. Hey, guys, thanks for everything. And uh, yes, I sir. can't wait to, to run into you here in a couple weeks. Thanks, Willie. See you soon. Bye now. You want to make it in a song to do the Justin Lamb. Win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam. You do the Kevin Brandon, lay the smack across the land. Then you do the L ride and you come out like the world champ. All right, guys, that wraps up episode 32. I want to say thanks again to our sponsors, Siebert Performance and Racing RVs. Thanks also to our guest, our good friend Willie Burnett. Willie was a lot of fun. Thanks to PJ North for um, all the music that you hear on the show comes from PJ. You can find PJ on iTunes for PJ North. Thanks to PJ. Thanks to our assistant, Mark Romeo, for his help. If you've got ideas for the show, anything that uh, you think is uh, newsworthy and we need to mention, you can message us at uh, the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast page on Facebook. You can contact Mark on Facebook, or you can email him directly. That's mromeo2004 at gmail.com. Once again, we are coming to you with a Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast every week of the calendar year. We try to release those Wednesday afternoon, so stay tuned. Easiest way to keep in touch with us is to subscribe. Absolutely, folks. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us at Apple Podcasts, as Luke mentioned, Google Play, and Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your podcasts. Just subscribe, and that way you get alerted when there's a new release, and you're the first one to get it. Make sure you tell your friends about the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. I want you to keep spreading the good word. As uh, Luke and I go to the racetrack, we hear more and more and more from you that you're liking what's happening here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, and can't thank you enough for listening. So get more people involved, and that's going to keep this thing going in the right direction, and get your track involved. Again, we've reached out to you and asked you to get your racetrack involved, to have the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast playing during downtime, all downs, whatever. Uh, keep your spectators and racers entertained for a little while. And it's something you can also have playing uh, instead of the radio as they're starting to come in and get ready for that, that first time trial evening. So get your track involved. Let us know that your track's involved in doing it, and we'll make sure we give you a great shout-out here on the show. And be sure to join our Facebook community at Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Touch base with us on Twitter. Luke can be found at Luke Bogacki, and I can be found at JP11X. So that closes up the show again. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we look forward to serving you again in the next episode. That's right. Enjoy your holiday weekend. Banging on the door. Bump, bump, bump.
nothing till I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. For breaking in anything. Bottom ball before a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. I was in my Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th. <laughs>